reading comes from Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 31. As Jesus went out from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. Thank you, Peter. Um, encourage you to join with me in prayer uh, as we come to God's word this morning. And so, Father, I pray uh, and give thanks in prayer for your word. I pray and give thanks in your prayer for the word that is Jesus, the life of Jesus, that he is the word. But also give thanks for your written word that, that you inspired and has been uh, handed to us in this generation um, to continue to discover you and learn about you and know you. So I pray this morning that as we come to your word, we wouldn't just learn about you, but that we would come to know you better that we would come into a deeper place of intimacy uh, in relationship with you this morning. And I pray that we would come into a deeper place of belief in you this morning. I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So have you ever really wondered, what is God really like? We have these images of, you know, uh, from movies or cartoons or from artwork even of, of this uh, snowy coloured beard, old man in heaven, uh, perhaps reaching out a finger um, towards Adam, you know, in classical beautiful art um, that I haven't actually been to the Sistine Chapel myself, but it's apparently illegal to take photos, but some people have taken photos and the rest of us have been able to see those images. Or, or this, this snowy bearded man, or in cartoons, God's just depicted as this snowy bearded man that gives us an image of what God's like. But, but have you ever really wondered, well, what is God really like? What is God really like? Um, if you're kind of in the same age bracket of me, you might remember a song called One of Us by uh, Joan Osborne and it came out in 1995. You, if you're older, you'll be like, what is that about? If you're younger, you think, what's this old man talking about? Um, but this song starts with the line, what if God was one of us? What if God had a job like us? What if God was one of us? What if he was a slob like us? The, some personal self-reflection for the writer of that song there. What if God was one of us? Um, one of the verses says, If God had a face, what would it look like? And would you want to see if seeing meant that you would have to believe in things like heaven and in Jesus and in the saints and all the prophets? What if God was one of us? What would his face look like? And so today we're continuing our face-to-face series this morning that is exploring personal encounters with Jesus through the book of Matthew. And so if you're like me, you can't have heard that song even way back in 1995 or if you've heard it since, I haven't heard it for a long time, but you can't hear that song that says, what if God had a face, what if God was one of us and not think, well, Jesus was God's answer to that about 2,000 years before the song was even written. And so we're exploring these one-on-one, these face-to-face encounters with Jesus through Matthew. And really, this is giving us an answer to what God is really like. What is God 
really like? If God had a face, what would it look like? And we're not talking about what does God's you know, facial structure look like? Was he bearded? Did he have bushy eyebrows? Was he you know, snowy-haired Swedish Jesus that we see in some of the photos? Uh, photos, that's going a bit too Paintings. I'm not talking about what did God's face look like in a human sense, but, but if we were to come face to face with God, what would he be like? That's what we're exploring in this series and I'm going to keep covering, I know it's a bit repetitive, but I want to keep coming to these verses just to remind us that, that Jesus coming face to face with Him is coming face to face with God. Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son, that is Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is the exact representation of His being. Jesus is what God looks like if He has a face, if He's one of us. In John 14, 9, uh, Jesus uh, was speaking to His disciples saying He's going to go to the Father and Philip says, well, show us the Father. And so Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That Jesus is, because He's the exact representation of who God is, to see Jesus is to see the Father. To see Jesus is to see God. In uh, John 1.18, in this kind of preamble to the gospel story, John says this, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who, himself, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. In the original Greek, and someone asked me a question about this verse during the week, and feel free to ask me questions about the messages or about verses. I love having ongoing conversation. Um, but in the original Greek, um, it essentially says, No one yet has seen God, but only begotten God. That Jesus is referred to as begotten God. He's both Son and He is God. It says He's in the bosom of the Father, that closeness and intimacy with the Father. And so these scriptures and the, the whole flow of, of uh, the New Testament and the Old Testament preceding that tells us that to come face to face with Jesus is to come face to face with God. And as we explore these one-on-one -on -one encounters, these face-to-face -face encounters with Jesus, we see something of who God really is, of what God is really like. As I said uh, in the first message in this series, Bill Johnson, an American pastor, says Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is the perfect expression of who God is. And so in today's story that Peter read for us, I'm cheating a little bit because it's not a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, it's a two-on-one -on -one encounter, but, but it's two blind men. It's, they fit together in the story. Uh, two blind men come to Jesus seeking healing and so what i want to explore today is well what does jesus show us about who god is in this brief encounter in this kind of short punchy passage what what can we find out about what god is really like and i want to suggest two things that are connected together and the first of those things is that jesus shows us a god who seeks out faith jesus shows us a god who seeks out faith in matthew 9 27 to 28 it says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men uh, following him, followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. 
when he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him and he asked, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And so these two blind men had clearly already demonstrated their faith and belief. While Jesus was walking along with the crowd, they were crying out, Son of David, have mercy on us. This term, Son of David, is, is a powerful term. It points towards a belief that Jesus is the hoped-for Messiah, the Savior of His people. The Old Testament talks about the son of David being the one, the descendant of David's line, being the one who would come and redeem and restore and save God's people. And so calling out to Jesus saying, Son of David, shows us that though they were physically blind, they saw at this stage, early in the Jesus story, who He really was that He was the Messiah. And the Old Testament um, had spoken about the the Messianic age, the age in which the Messiah would walk the earth and and come and restore His people. And and amongst other things, it was an age in which the blind would see. Prisoners would be set free, the blind would see. And so these blind men, though they were blind, could see that Jesus was the Messiah. They had faith in that and so they believed that there was opportunity here for their sight to be restored and so they cried out, have mercy on us, son of David. They clearly had already demonstrated their faith. They had clearly already demonstrated their belief. And it goes a step further, not only that, they're crying out to Jesus, they're crying out to Jesus and Jesus in that moment doesn't stop and and heal them on the road. We know that times He does that when someone calls out, He does stop for the one, we've talked about that. But in this moment, Jesus doesn't heal them in front of the crowd, He he waits and He goes inside a home. But these men are persistent, they don't give up, they don't think our opportunity has passed us by, They, they pursue Jesus further, they come into the house and, and... you know, with the crowds following Jesus, we're told in this season in Mark's gospel that sometimes Jesus couldn't even enter a town because of the crowds. And so getting into the house was not going to be an easy thing, not to mention that they were blind, but they, they persistently pursued their healing. They demonstrated that they believed that Jesus was able to heal them. And so when they come to Jesus inside the house, we're told that He asked this question though, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They clearly already demonstrated their faith, their belief in Jesus to heal them. But then Jesus still asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Why? I believe it's because Jesus seeks out faith. He wants to highlight the faith, the belief involved in this situation. He wants to underline the belief that these two men have that he's able to heal. He wants to draw attention to faith. He wants to stir up faith, just as we asked Phil and Perry um, some questions that we already knew the answer to. They'd already come to dedicate Thames and to the Lord, and so we already knew their heart and their purpose in that. But, but asking the question gives them the opportunity to affirm, yes, we do. 
I hope we already would have known the answer to the church's commitment to, even though they're going elsewhere, to pray for uh, the Aldridges and especially for Tamsin. But we still ask a question to give an opportunity for us to say, yes, we do. And, And the answering of that question stirs up commitment to that belief. Asking the question prompts an answer. It agitates to bring faith to the surface. I like one of the things I like to do when I'm at the beach, apart from swimming and um, trying to catch waves. Um, I've got lots of buoyancy, which helps, um, (laughs) but I'm not so um, streamlined through the water, which doesn't help. But one of the things I like to do on the shoreline, if I'm holding one of my kids' hands, is to stand where the the sand's not quite wet, uh, not quite kind of soaked in water, but where it's damp and you just kind of agitate the sand and all this water comes to the surface. That, that, it, that this stirring up brings water to the surface. Jesus is asking the question. He's seeking out faith. He's, he's agitating the situation to bring belief to the surface. He highlights it. He underlines it, underlines it. But he wants to stir it up and bring it to the surface. Jesus shows us a God who seeks out faith. It, it turns out that Jesus... Asking the question, do you believe that I'm able to do this, is, is kind of the core question that Jesus asked us all. Do you believe? Do you believe? In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, and this is found in a whole other big story, which I'm not going to talk to the context now, but it, but it tells us this nugget of truth it says for the eyes of the lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him jesus shows us a god who's doing just this searching the world to discover to find those who believe who have faith in him jesus shows us a god who's seeking out people a people a church a community that believe in him Hebrews chapter 11, this great uh, message about faith says, and without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Faith is central, is the central question that Jesus asks. Belief is central to Jesus and the questions He asks us. Do you believe? This passage shows us a God who is constantly asking the world this, do you believe? This passage shows us a God that would ask us this morning, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is able to do this? For the blind men, it was healing their sight. Uh, For us, it might be something else. For us, it might be just that, that question in itself, do you believe do you believe in jesus as the son of david as the messiah as the savior of the world as the savior of you do you believe that he's able to impact your life do you believe that he's able to heal you do you believe that he's able to bless you do you believe jesus shows us a god who seeks out faith who seeks out belief and jesus also shows us a god who responds to faith. 
He's not just seeking it out. He's not just trying to find those in the world who, who have belief in Him and, and, and faith in Him. But he, Jesus shows us a God who desires to respond to faith. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 29 and 31, that story we're exploring, it says, uh, after Jesus had asked the question, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they have responded, yes, Lord, we do. It says that then He touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus heals by His power and authority. It is true to say that only in Jesus, only in God is the power to heal, only in God is the power to make blind eyes see. This is purely a miracle of Jesus' doing. But that's not what he highlights. Jesus doesn't say, according to my great power, according to my great authority, according to my great compassion, according to my greatness and glory, let it be done to you. Those things are all true. It was according to all that was in Jesus. But, but what Jesus highlights is not his power and authority. What he highlights is the faith, the belief of these two blind men. He says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Now, this is not a proportional statement. It's not saying, well, if you believe 50%, you'll get 50% healing, or if you believe 10%, you get 10%. This is, this is not a proportional thing that according to your level of faith, if you just believe a bit harder, you'll get a bit more. This is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, since you believe... Since you believe that I am able to do this, let it be done to you. We can remember Jesus talking to his disciples and, and talking about faith and, and uh, Jesus kind of sensing and saying, well, you've, you've got little faith. And he, and he says to them, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you're able to say to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea and it'll be done. Jesus shows us a God who, who longs to respond to our faith. Jesus shows us a God who longs to respond to our belief. It's not about proportionality, about believing more. It's about simply believing, trusting that God is able. Last week I spoke about, uh, touched on the story of the time where Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to read it again this morning, but, but if you were here or if you weren't here, I'll just kind of give you the gist of the story. Jesus came to his hometown. He'd healed many people elsewhere. He, 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 he had demonstrated that he had the power to perform supernatural signs and wonders and deeds and heal and cast out demons. And he came to his own town, to his hometown synagogue, which was kind of the, the Jewish church that, um, he was, that they had at that day. And, and he spoke in the synagogue and, and they were amazed by the authority of his words, but they also said, essentially to paraphrase, where does this guy get the nerve to speak to us like that? We know where he comes from. He's, this is the son of Joseph the carpenter. 
we know his brothers and sisters. And so it says they took offense at him. And Jesus only did a few miracles there because of their lack of faith or belief. So I believe that Jesus' power wasn't diminished in any way. It's not that Jesus, it's not that God is dependent upon us to work miracles. It's not that Jesus relies on on my belief to be the channel um, of his miraculous into the world. It is that he longs and chooses to respond to our faith. That's how God has, has chosen to work in this world. And so Jesus shows us a God who responds to our faith. Little faith means not much response from God. Lack of faith means not much response from God. But if we believe, He responds. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we, we get this story of this, this faith, um, this belief and God's response to belief in action. This is the, the story of Elijah praying to God for rain and there'd been no rain on the land for three years. God was, was, was uh, in a sense, judging Israel. Uh, they had an evil, evil king, Ahab, uh, who turned to other gods and, and so Elijah had prayed and the rain had stopped and the land was in famine and there'd been this you know, test, this contest essentially between the power of the false gods and the, and the power of the true God and, uh, through Elijah. Um, and then, then Elijah says in, uh, in chapter 18, uh, verse 41, he says, Elijah said to Ahab, go in and eat and drink for there is the sound of heavy rain. That was a statement of belief. It wasn't raining. But he tells Ahab, go off and and, and eat and drink. Prepare yourself because I hear rain. There'd been no rain for three years, so they were rationing their reserves so that they could get through this famine. But Elijah said, well, go go and eat and drink. Go and satisfy yourself because there will be rain. I can hear it. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to his knees, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. He's, he's taking the posture of prayer. And he says, go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. The servant came back and says, there's no sign of rain. And so this idea that God longs to respond to our faith and belief in Him doesn't mean that, oh, I believe now, boom. Instantly we get everything we want from God. The servant came back and said, there is nothing there. He said, seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. So there's not great big storm clouds. There's not great big, uh, you know, lightning crashes out on the horizon, the, the kind of things that we would think the rain's coming. If Dacre on the land, who's, who's keen for some rain at the moment, if he saw this little wispy cloud out on the horizon, he's probably not. I'm not trying to criticize your belief and faith here, Dacre, but Dacre probably doesn't, as a routine, run back into the house and say, Lois, Lois! You know, get ready, the rain is coming. 
So Elijah's servant comes back to him and says, there's a, there's a cloud. It's seven times he goes back. Seven times he expresses his belief that God is able to do what he has faith for God to do. And so the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. That small sign of a, of a cloud rising from the sea was enough to spur his belief that this is it. This is coming. I think sometimes our, our mindset works the opposite way. We, we pray for something and then the something happens, but we are, oh, maybe it was a coincidence. Maybe it would have happened anyway. We, we sometimes in our Western scientific mindset want to kind of find every reason why it might not have been God who did the thing that we prayed for. But Elijah shows us this, this opposite mindset that, that any little sign that God is responding to his belief, he, he attaches himself to and that spurs him on to greater belief, greater steps of belief. He doesn't let the, the signs of a lack of response from a seeming lack of response from God to, to hold him back and, and, and think, oh, well, God's, God's not interested. He pursues seven times the smallest sign of a cloud, he says, let's tell the king to get ready, he better get going or his chariot's going to get bogged in mud. The two blind men cried out to Jesus along the way and, and they'd seen, they'd probably seen or at least heard that, that Jesus stopped along the way for a man with leprosy and healed him there. We talked there about Jesus stops for the one. But they didn't lose interest, they didn't lose belief because their story didn't turn out the same. They didn't lose belief because Jesus went inside the house. They didn't walk away and go, well, maybe he doesn't want to heal me. Maybe he doesn't want to bless me. Maybe he doesn't want to provide for me. Maybe all of that truth about who God is, is something that gets kind of poured out for other people, but not for me. They saw Jesus go inside the house and they thought, well, let's go inside the house. Elijah sent his servant up seven times, there was, well, six times, and there was no sign of a cloud in the sky, and that's pretty unique. I have this compulsive urge every time, every time someone says, oh, there's not a cloud in the sky, to kind of fact-check their statement, and it's pretty rare for there to be nothing. Um, and six times there was not a sign of a cloud in the sky standing on a mountaintop. But he kept pursuing belief in God, trusting that God responds. And so he sees the small cloud and he says, tell Ahab to get going, otherwise he's going to get bogged. And it says, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose and a heavy rain came on, on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Now this is not really connected to what we're talking about this morning, but it's pretty cool. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Ahab just kind of, the rain's coming, he's like, I'm getting out of here. He tucks up his robe into his pants and, or his undies, whatever, uh, and outruns a chariot to Jezreel. That's kind of cool. But the point is that God longs to respond to our belief in Him. 
The challenge for us is we so often get discouraged when we don't see a cloud or when Jesus keeps walking and, and walks into the house and we go, well, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe my faith was misplaced or, or maybe I'm not worthy or maybe there's something wrong with me. We, we, we sometimes are quite flimsy in our belief. But Jesus shows us a God who responds to faith, who longs for us to keep pursuing, believing in Him, to keep trusting and believing that He is able, full stop. There's no end to that sentence that isn't true. God is able. As we talked about last week, he's able to do immeasurably more than we could possibly ask or imagine. And so the question this story brings up for us is the same question that Jesus asked these two blind men. Do you believe? Jesus shows us a God who seeks out Jesus shows us a God who seeks out faith. He seeks out belief, who longs to respond to our faith. He said to a woman who had a 12-year bleeding issue, who he felt the power go out from him. That it was his power that healed. But he says to her, take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. Jesus highlights the faith, the belief of people that he's responding to over and over again. In Luke 17, 19, he, he says to a leper, one of ten who came back to thank him for their healing, he says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. It's, it's not that it's our power, the power of our faith, it's the power of Jesus, but, but Jesus highlights this truth. He longs to respond to belief. He shows us a God who responds to belief. And so the question is, do I believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that God is able? Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. We, we read Hebrews 11.6 that said it's impossible to please God without faith or without belief. But a few verses earlier, the writer of Hebrews tells us what this thing called faith is. He says, or she says, we don't know who it was. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is belief. Belief is faith. It's a confidence, it's a trust. Sometimes, despite what seems to be evidence to the counter, that, that God is able. I'm just going to invite Hannah and Eliza to come up and we're going to finish with some worship. Um, but I just want to finish with this story as we think about that question, do you believe? As you ask yourself the question, do I believe? I just want to read a story that may be familiar to some of us from, from Mark's Gospel in chapter 9. 
I'm going to read from 21. And this is a, an encounter, a face-to-face encounter between a, a man whose son has been afflicted uh, by a demonic presence in his life who's um, brought uh, his son to Jesus' disciples and they were unable. They've been successful at casting out other demons. Uh, they've been successful at healing other people in the name of Jesus. But, but for whatever reason, they weren't able with this. And, and so Jesus says in verse 21 of Mark chapter 9, he asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, the father answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for him who believes. So Jesus, I believe, isn't been negative or critical about this father's if. Like me on the beach in the damp sand, stomping on it to draw up water to the surface, Jesus is seeking to draw up this little bit of faith that's there to the surface in this man. He says, if, if I can. And so he agitates in that place and he says to the Father, everything is possible for those who believe. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And and this shows us that Jesus is actually interested in the one, not interested in impressing the crowd. But what I want us to center on as we finish this morning in response to that question, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in God's power? Do you believe that God is able? Full stop. I think many of us are in the space of this father who stood before Jesus in all honesty. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So I want to encourage you to stand with me as I pray this morning. I'm going to pray and then we're going to close in worship, in song. And we're going to sing a song about how much He loves us. He, he's not a God who reluctantly responds to our belief. He's a God who seeks to stir it up within us, to establish it within us and respond to it. We're going to sing a song about how much God loves us, but first let me pray. I just encourage if it's your heart, if that's your heart this morning, if you're in that space of I believe, but dear God, I want help in my unbelief. Just encourage you to adopt a posture of reaching out to God, either in your heart or physically, whatever that looks like for you. Just just adopt a posture of ready to receive. And so, Father, we thank you for Jesus, your Son, who is God himself. We thank you for these glimpses of people coming face to face in him and in those moments coming face to face with God. We thank you that Jesus shows us what you are like. We thank you that he shows 
us a God who seeks out and responds to belief. And so, Father, we hear this morning the question asked over our own lives, do we believe? And so, Father, we echo the cry of that Father who brought him his son before you with healing we declare we believe but father help us in our unbelief help us in those spaces that we struggle to believe that you're able help us in the areas of our heart that that doubt that question that that shy away from entrusting ourselves confidently to you Father, we believe, yet help us in our unbelief. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love for you to become a part of the Aspaptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.